Welcome. Uh, we'd like to attempt to describe Masechta Rosh Hashanah, Davchaf Ahmed Beis. Uh, it's packed with meaning in just a few statements. We're going to talk about the Moilad, the conjunction of the moon, Kiddush HaChodesh, the Soda Ibur, and also the international dateline. So uh, in this picture, uh, we see Earthrise from the point of view of the moon. Uh, in 1968, the Apollo 8 mission were the first astronauts to get to the moon. They didn't actually walk on the moon itself, but they were watching the Earth from the moon, and they saw that the moon is a wasteland. It's a midbar, and uh, they're looking at the beautiful planet Earth, and with its water and sunlight and trees and plants and animals and people, uh, and they were blown away, and so therefore they started saying the first psukim or bereshis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the U.S. Postal Service put out a stamp associated with that. Um, and we can see uh, a total eclipse, NASA reporting on a total eclipse. So we see that the earth is at the center of the universe, and here is the moon and the sun. So the moon is in between the sun and the earth, and therefore it blocks the rays of the sun. And therefore, from the point of view of the earth, we don't see the moon at all. The moon has become totally invisible. But so we know the famous Rashi at the beginning of the Chumash, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, that this month, the month of Nisan, uh, it's got to be the first of the month, and you've got to declare it to be Rosh Chodesh. This is the very first mitzvah that Klal Yisrael were commanded in. Umatam, and what is the reason? So, Pasach Bereshis that Hakadosh Baruch Hu started with with <coughs> this first mitzvah instead of Achodesh Azeh. In other words, with the creation, Mishum Koyach Masav Higid Leamo Lasses Lehem Nachlas Goyim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted to declare the greatness of his works in the creation in order to give to Klal Yisrael land that belonged once belonged to others. Because if the nations of the world will say to Yisrael, you are robbers, something that we find even today in the United Nations and elsewhere. So, because uh, you conquered the land of the seven nations of the Canaanites and you took it away from them. So, we can say back to the nations that the whole land belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's the one who created it, and therefore he gives it to the one uh, who is worthy in his eyes. Originally he gave it to the seven nations, the seven Canaanite nations of Asuna, and it was his will to take it away from them because of their sins and to give it to us, to give it to the Jewish people as an eternal inheritance. And so therefore the Rambam in Kiddush HaChodesh, so he says that... Um, it's a mitzvah to declare Rosh Chodesh, uh, for the Bezdin Agadol to declare Rosh Chodesh. This is what was told to Moshe Aaron. So, and therefore, this month shall be for you the first of the months. 
And therefore, in Torah Shabbat Peh, as passed down from teacher to student, from Moshe Rabbeinu, throughout the generations, so it's uh, the Bezdin Agodol that has to establish Rosh Chodesh. And when, however, there's no Sanhedrin in Eretz Yisrael, we establish the monthly Canada according to the fixed calendar that we follow in our times. And Bedovazeh, says the Rambam, is a Lachal Moshe it's a Bezdin Agodol in Yerushalayim. They sit in the Beis Amigdash, they sit on the 30th day, and they watch and they examine the Edim, and they decide whether the 30th day is going to be Rosh Chodesh, or the next day, the 31st day, is going to be Rosh Chodesh. So we're going to do a quick geocentric review. In our previous shir, we spoke about the fact that uh, we are taught in our science classes that it is really the Earth that is orbiting the sun, the sun being at the, the center of the universe, the center of the solar system, and it's really the earth that is moving around the sun. And what we said was that uh, <clears throat> that's not necessarily true, so even scientifically, really the earth uh, is fixed in space and the whole celestial sphere is revolving around the earth, and it's really the sun that is doing an orbit around the earth every year. So. Uh, the sun revolves around Earth over the course of a year on the ecliptic. And we see uh, on the left, uh, this is the uh, equator, the celestial equator, which is, which is projected out from the Earth's equator. And then at 23.5 degrees, there's another plane, the plane of the ecliptic, which is in, in gray. And the sun, over the course of a year, travels around the ecliptic like this. So for example, when we're in the winter around about Hanukkah time and the northern hemisphere is cold and the southern hemisphere it's hot, that's because the sun is down here on the ecliptic and it's shining directly on the southern hemisphere and only indirectly on the northern hemisphere. And then uh, three months later we're going to be at Kufas Nisan, we're going to be at springtime uh, and this is when uh, the sun rises directly in the east, and the day and the night is equal. And then another three months later, on June 25th, June 21st, the sun is going to be high on the ecliptic uh, and shining directly on the northern hemisphere, and therefore it is hot and sunny in the northern hemisphere and colder in the southern hemisphere. So uh, that is the uh, Earth at the center of the universe. And what we said in the earliest year was that Einstein and subsequent Many of the great scientists have said that no experiment ever proved that it is the Earth that is moving around the sun. There's never been an experiment that has been conducted to prove that, despite what we told in the, in the textbooks and despite what we told whenever we study these issues, that it's incontrovertible that it's the Earth that is moving. But no experiment has ever shown that. And it's as, just as scientifically valid to say that Earth is at the center of the universe and it is the celestial sphere that is revolving around the Earth once every day. And it is the sun over the course of a year that orbits the Earth. So uh, we need to understand that there are really two motions. There is the annual orbit of the sun with Earth fixed in space. And then there's the daily spin of the whole celestial sphere around the Earth. So the sun revolves around the Earth over the course of a year on the ecliptic, and uh, which is at 23.5 degrees with respect to the equator. But there's also the daily path 
of the sun as the sun rises in the east in the morning and then sets in the west uh, in the afternoon. And we seeing over here a picture uh, at the ecliptic, and in other words, Tukufus Nissan, the sun, let's say, uh, in the northern hemisphere in Eretz Yisrael, uh, in Lakewood, here in Toronto, the sun rises directly in the east at the equinox, but then it kind of heads south. This is at sunrise, and then at midday, uh, it's not directly overhead. It's a little bit towards the south, and then it sets uh, in the afternoon, and then finally it sets directly in the west. So that is the daily motion uh, of the sun. And of course, the moon is only seen at night, so the moon also rises in the east and sets in the west on roughly the same ecliptic path that the sun is, except that it moves much faster. So by day, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and so also by night, we see the moon rising in the east and setting in the west. Okay, so uh, we know that uh, the longest bracha in the Siddur is Yotzer HaMoiros. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the two lights, the Moor HaGadol and the Moor HaKaton, and uh, in, the, in Shabbos and Shachris, in that first bracha, we have a beautiful keladon uh, or kolamasim. We say, Toivim great, and how goodly are these lights that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created. Yitzarim bedaz bevino v'haskel. They show great uh, wisdom in their creation. The solar system is an incredible system. The, the sun is an incredible system. The moon is an incredible system that gives us light and gives us the uh, changing weather patterns in day and night. <laughs> full of shine. It's beautiful. Illumination. We're being illuminated by it. And then we say that He called to the sun, shine, shine your light on the fourth day. And then he created the pattern of the of the moon, the shape of the moon. So uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that we see as the moon, uh, <clears throat> the new moon waxes, and 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 we suddenly see the full moon at the middle of the month on the fifteenth of Nisan. It's going to be Pesach on the fifteenth of Tishrei. It's going to be Sukkot, uh, and then the moon wanes and then disappears from uh, from our view. And so we have this uh, beautiful pattern of the moon waxing and waning. And by the way, if we didn't have a moon, <coughs> it, we, our axis of uh, our axis, the axis of rotation of the celestial sphere around the earth would not be stabilized. In order to have proper seasons uh, that are not arbitrary, uh, we need the moon. The moon is what helps to stabilize the whole system. So so therefore, the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh, uh, which is based, is going to be based on our Gomorrah that we're going to be studying in the Rambam, uh, is based on the sighting of the new moon uh, after the Moilat, after <coughs> it disappears from view. So the Bezdin Agodal sanctifies renewal of the moon using specified criteria to declare which day is Rosh Chodesh, either day 30 or day 31 uh, of the cycle of the moon. And we saw that according to Rashi and Bereshis, the Torah should have begun with this mitzvah, only it was more important to know that Eretz Yisrael was given to Yisrael by Kodesh Baruch Hu. 
and uh, that's an interesting point, why we had to know that prior to knowing about the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh. And uh, the Gemara in Shabbos comments that the ability to do these calculations of the seasons and the constellations is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the nations. So, Rishamatem Vasisem ki hi chachmoschem vinoschem leene haamim. It is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the nation who shall hear of all these decrees and say, Surely this people is a wise and discerning nation. And the Gemara in Shabbos says, Amarib Shmuel, Banachmeni, Amarib Yochanan, Minayan Shemitzvah Lachashit to Kufusumazolus. How do we know that it's a mitzvah to calculate the uh, seasons and the constellations? Because it says, that he chachmaschem vinoschem le'enei ha'amem. It's your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the nation. Uh, what wisdom and understanding is there that this is in the eyes of the nation? So the Gemara says, So we're, we're busy in, the, in this great mitzvah of <coughs> being machashev, the tekufas, kiddush ha'chodesh, uh, and uh, understanding, trying to understand this wonderful system that illuminates us and gives us sunlight, which allows the plants to grow, which allows uh, life to flourish on earth, uh, and which gives us this beautiful habitat, habitat which is called uh, the earth and ultimately Eretz Israel. Okay, so a Chodesh uh, is associated <coughs> with an astronomical reality. This is as opposed to the seven-day uh, creation week, Shabbos and creation. Every seven days, it's going to be Shabbos. There, there is no, uh, down here on earth anyway, there is no concrete astronomical reality associated with that. There are spiritual ramifications to that. So what is a Chodesh? It's the time it takes for the moon to orbit the earth. Now, that orbit is 360 degrees, and it orbits that 360 degrees around the earth almost circular, it's a little bit of an ellipse, in about 29 and a half days. And the question is, when does the month start and when does the month end? How will we know that? And so in order to understand this, uh, we will uh, take a look at this picture. So we have the Earth at the center of the universe, um, and we have the Moon orbiting around the Earth once every month, once every 29 and a half days. And we'll have the sun showing on the left. And the conjunction, the moilad, right, is going to be when the moon is in between the sun and the earth. And now the sun shines on the, on the bright side of the moon. But facing us, the light is blocked. And therefore, the moon has become invisible. And uh, this is uh, the old moon, which grows steadily less and less until finally it disappears and then all we see is uh, we don't see anything we just see uh, the moon becomes invisible and the moon is moving from west to east <clears throat> because we're looking from we're looking at the northern we're looking at it from the northern pole the north pole and then uh, the new moon will appear some hours later after the conjunction after the moilad so the Moilad, or new moon, is a conjunction of the moon with the sun, with the sun and the earth on opposite sides of the moon, leaving the side of the moon facing earth in darkness. So we've been talking 
in this picture about the monthly orbit of the moon, but we also have to recall the daily spin of the celestial sphere because uh, wherever the sun and the moon are, the sun is also going to rise in the east and set in the west, and at night we're going to see the moon as well uh, rising towards the east and setting in the west. So this is the picture we showed earlier of the eclipse. Um, the eclipse is when uh, the moon is in between the sun and the earth, uh, uh, and this happens only at certain times. It's not, and the, the eclipse means that uh, we're not going to see the sun at all, because the sun, even though the sun is very big, <clears throat> much bigger than the moon and much bigger than the earth, but in terms of the perception from the earth, the moon and the sun look about the same size. And therefore, there'll be certain places on earth where the sun is kind of small like this and blocked totally by the moon. That's a, a solar eclipse. That doesn't happen at every conjunction. It doesn't happen at every moilite. Eclipses are only going to happen at certain conjunctions. Uh, just to give a little bit more detail, uh, let's talk about the, the annual orbit of the sun and the monthly orbit of the moon. So we said that the sun's path, which is this yellow line, uh, is on the ecliptic, which is angled with respect to the equator, uh, as we showed in an earlier slide. <clears throat> um, and this is a path of the, of the sun over a period of a year. And the moon also follows closely that path of the sun over the period of a month. <clears throat> but that the moon's path is at five degrees. There's a five-degree discrepancy between the path of the sun and the ecliptic and the path of the moon. So sometimes the moon is above the sun, and sometimes the moon is below the sun, because it is in a plane that is five degrees angled at the plane of the sun. But, this, but the moon is racing ahead much quicker than the sun is. The sun is only going at about one degree a day, and the moon is going 12 degrees a day. So the moon is racing away from the sun, uh, or racing towards the sun, and it's moving uh, because it's moving in that orbit once uh, a month, whereas the sun takes once a year. Okay, so so in this image, we're going to show an eclipse not of the sun, but an eclipse of the moon uh, at the full moon, what should have been the full moon. Uh, in this particular image, we have uh, this, the Earth, which is in between the sun and the moon, and the earth is blocking the rays of the sun. And so therefore, the moon cannot reflect the rays of the sun, and the moon is going to be invisible. And this is the eclipse of the moon, which can happen uh, at different times, but it can also happen at the full moon, as shown in this particular image. Now, it does not always have to happen. The, this is the full moon again. The rays of the sun are directly hitting the moon, but because the Earth is below uh, the the moon and the sun, so therefore the person standing, let's say, uh, in Eretz Israel or here in Toronto, they will see the full moon, uh, and the the rays of the sun are not blocked, uh, and so therefore we are going to see uh, a full moon rather than an eclipse. Now, at the monthly conjunction, again, uh, we're back to a situation where the moon is between the sun and the earth. 
uh, and we don't see we are not going to see the uh, the dark side of the moon as you can see uh, the light of the sun is blocked so we we don't see the moon at all because we're at the time of the molad um, so the earth only sees the dark side of the moon uh, but as the day progresses, the moon moves out of its alignment with the sun in an easterly direction. We're saying the moon is moving actually quite rapidly, much more rapidly than the sun is moving. The moon moves to the east of the sun. Um, and uh, as we said, the sun and the moon rise in the east and set in the west. So after conjunction at sunset, the moon is to the east of the sun. In other words, it's trailing behind the sun, and thus the sun is going to set first, and then the moon is only going to set after the sun, and that's why you can see the moon uh, at sunset in the west. As shown in this slide, the sun has gone down below the western horizon, uh, and the moon is trailing behind the sun. It's to the east of the sun, and since the sun is going down, it's becoming darker, and therefore, if the crescent of the moon is big enough, we're going to be able to see that crescent after the moon. The moon first becomes visible, the Rambam says, after a true elongation of nine degrees, uh, which is going to be 17.7 hours, uh, even though we use on average 24 hours to see the crescent of the moon from the Moilad. Okay, so we're ready to look uh, at the Sugya in Rosh Hashanah. And uh, this is on Dafchaf Ahmed Bayes. And the Gemara starts off by saying, Amashwal, Yachilna Lesakune Lakula Goila. I can, the Rach explains that Shmuel is saying that I can, if, even if we don't have Adim coming from Eretz Israel to tell us when Rosh Chodesh is and when the Ibur Chodesh is, when the Ibur Yoim is, but I can make a perpetual calendar. Uh, the Rach says, until the coming of the Mashiach, until we see, until the end of time, I can make a calendar. So Amale Abba Avud, the Rebbe Simlai Lishmol, they said back to Shmuel, Yoda Mar Haimilsa Desanya. Do you know that principle, uh, which is in a brisa called Soda Ibur? There's a brisa called Soda Ibur. and there there's an elliptical, a very oblique statement. It's Ramazim. Rashi says only Ramazim. The Bryce speaks very obliquely, doesn't really give us a whole lot of information. It's in code. And over there it says, Noilat Kodem Chatzois. If the Moilat is before Chatzois or the Noilat is after Chatzois, there's some principle associated with the fact that the Moilat is either going to be before Chatzois or the Moilat is going to be after Chatzois. So Amalei, so Shmuel said, Loi, I, I don't know this Soda Ibor. So Amalei, so they said back to him, since you don't know that fact of Sodebibur, Mar, a teacher, so maybe, maybe the other things in Sodebibur, in that Bryce of Sodebibur, that you don't know. So uh, we, this is one of the principles that we have to know in order to make a calendar, uh, even when there's no Sanhedrin sitting in Eretz Israel, and therefore we have to come onto the perpetual calendar. Uh, which is the one that is in use now. But the Soda Ibur is going to be relevant, we'll see, even uh, when the Beis HaMikdash was there and even when the Sanhedrin was sitting, we have to know this principle of Soda Ibur.
Now, continuing on with the Gemara, uh, we told as follows, Kisalik Rebbe Zeira, uh, when Rebbe Zeira left Babel and he went up to Eretz Yisrael, I think to become a Talmud of Rebbe Yochanan. So Shalach he sent back to Babel the following explanation of the Soda Ibur, uh, which we said was Neulad Kodem Chatzot or Neulad Acher Chatzot. Uh, and here, in his first statement, he tells us a little bit more. He says, Which means it is necessary that the night uh, and the following day be part of the same month, or the way the Hagos Yaivetz puts it, In other words, uh, it is necessary that the night and the following day be part of the same Rosh Chodesh. Uh, so that's the, that is the first statement uh, of Rebbe Zeira, and that still needs a further explanation. But uh, essentially, what he is saying is that Rosh Hashanah, the Rosh Chodesh of Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah itself, cannot fall on a day when the Moilad is after Chatzos. That's really what he's saying. Because if the Moilad, if the conjunction is before Chatzos, then the moon will become visible on that day in Yerushalayim, Yerok Hodesh. Uh, so that is the first statement of Rebbe Zeira. And then Reb Zeira is going to make a second statement. Uh, he refers us to the following explanation. We, can, we can do a calculation of the Moilad. We have to calculate when the Moilad is. We can't see when the Moilad is because the moon has disappeared. So we have to calculate. We know that it's uh, from the past Moilad, on average, it's going to be 29 and a half days and 790 chalakim. We do that calculation. So we calculate when the Moilad is. And then we say as follows. If the moon was in conjunction before Chatzos, so then it can be sighted close to sunset on that day. But if the conjunction was not before Chatzos, then So Reb Zeira is telling us that then on that day, right, there they're sitting on the 30th day, uh, and we want to know if today is Rosh Chodesh, uh, and, and this is needed for sure for the perpetual calendar that we use today. It's one of the rules that we're saying. So if the Moled was after Chatzos, then we know for sure that the moon will not become visible in Yerushalayim today, and therefore today cannot be Rosh Chodesh. What's the Nafkamina? Why should we know this? I'm a Ravashi, Sahadi, in order to contradict the Edim. If the Edim are coming, Bezdin is sitting on the 30th day, and the Edim come uh, on that 30th day, and they say, we saw the new moon. <clears throat> we saw the crescent of the new moon. It suddenly appeared to us. So... Uh, the first thing we do is we calculate when the Moilad was. If the Moilad was before Rosh, before Chatzos, then we say, yeah, okay, maybe they saw the moon, and we'll ask them other questions. But if the Moilad was after Chatzos, we know for sure that what they saw was not the moon, and therefore we can contradict their testimony, and today will not be Rosh Chodesh. So to continue uh, with the last statement of uh, Rebbe Zeira. So uh, the third statement, what he says is like this: I'm a Rebbe Zeira, I'm a Rav Nachman. Esrim shoyim sahara. For 24 hours, the moon is covered; it's not visible. What it sounds like in this Gemara, and this is the way Rashi learns, 
is that uh, between the last sighting of the old moon and the first sighting of the new moon, it's 24 hours. Um, and then the Gemara goes on and it says that Shish uh, Mechadita, for them in Eretz Israel, well, uh, let's start with Ledidan. Ledidan, for us in Bobel, so Shish Mechadita. Uh, it's not visible for six hours of the old moon. And 18 hours of the new moon. For them in Eretz Israel, uh, it's not visible for six hours of the new moon. And 18 hours of the old moon. Again, the Gemara says, in order to contradict the Adem. So, Clearly, this statement is puzzling because we're saying that in Eretz Israel, the new moon is not visible for six hours after the Moilat. <clears throat> and um, that means that after six hours, the Moilat will be visible uh, and on that same day. So if the Moilat was before Chatzos at noon, then six hours later, which is just before sunset, the moon will, the crescent of the moon will be visible. Uh, and that is how to learn the Gomorrah Kapshuta, and that's how Rashi learns it, and he learns it from Ravsad Yagorn. And the problem is that nobody ever saw, not anywhere in the world, not in Rishalayim, not anywhere in the world, uh, the, neither the astronomers, nor the Rambam, uh, nor all the other Rishonim, uh, we'll get into the Balamor uh, in a moment, but we never saw the crescent of the new moon after six hours from the time of the Moilad. Uh, we, we, we are going to say that it's going to be at least 17 hours and unusually 24 hours from the Moilad before we see the crescent of the new moon. And the other issue that is puzzling in the statement, uh, the way we learn at Kapshutai, the way Rashi is learning it, is that somehow in Bovel, uh, it's six hours from the disappearance of the old moon to the Moilad and 18 hours before we see the new, uh, and then just close by in Eretz Yisrael, which is just to the west, 36 minutes to the west of Bovel, less than a, less than a degree to the west of Bovel. So for them, it's six hours and 18 hours. And that 36 minutes should not make a difference of, of being able to switch six and 18 with 18 and six. So it's a very puzzling Gemara, and uh, and therefore what we're going to do is we're going to learn it according to the Balamor, uh, which will give us an easier understanding. So uh, how does this work? What is the, according to what is astronomically observed, according to the Rambam in Hilchus Kiddush HaChodesh, according to the other Rishonim, and again, according to the Balamor, how long does it take uh, to see the new moon. So uh, what we have uh, on the right-hand uh, side is, let's uh, say that the last sighting of the, old moon, of the old moon was at sunrise on the eastern horizon. That's when uh, the moon uh, appears just before the sun comes up. And since the sun is below the horizon at sunrise, it's uh, dark still, and we, if the crescent of the moon is big enough, we'd be able to see it. Okay, so somewhere in the world on the eastern horizon uh, is when we have the last sighting of the old moon, and after that, it's going to disappear. And uh, then 
uh, on average, usually, almost all the time, there's going to be 24 hours of invisibility. That's the Estrim Ve'arba Shoe Machase Sahara. The moon is going to be invisible for 24 hours from the last sighting of the old moon uh, uh, until the sunrise 24 hours later. And that will be the moment of the Moilad. Uh, now, the Moilad is one moment in time that it's the same for all locations, even though the different locations have different time zones. Uh, and so the hour will show differently, but it all happens at exactly the same moment, except taking into account that the globe is circular and therefore there are different time zones. But really the Moilad, the conjunction of the moon with the sun, is at one moment in time, and, and that's true for everybody at different times and different locations. So it's 24 hours. That's what we have, 24 hours from the disappearance of the old moon until the Moilad. And then uh, 24 hours later, somewhere in the world where it's sunset, because you only see the new crescent, the new moon, you only see it at sunset, because at that time, the sun has disappeared below the horizon and the moon is above the horizon, uh, as we explained in an earlier slide. So somewhere in the world, 24 hours later, we're going to see the crescent of the new moon. And so the new moon is actually hidden for about two days, for two 24-hour periods, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. And we can see confirmation of this from the Rambam. Because the Rambam says that the Ainanirus Kamoishneyomim Oy Pachos So it's for two days that we're not going to see the, the moon is going to disappear for approximately two 24 hour periods. 24 hours from the old moon to the Moilad, another 24 hours from the Moilad to the new moon. Uh, and it can be how much less can be can it be? The Rambam is going to tell us in Hilchas Kiddush Achodesh that uh, we look at the western horizon at sunset uh, and that is when we see the crescent of the new moon soon after the Moilad. Uh, the sun is going down and therefore it's getting dark and that's why we can see the crescent of the new moon. Uh, and what is the earliest that can happen after the Moilad? So the Rambam says that can only happen when there's nine degrees elongation between the sun and the new moon. So there has to be the separation of nine degrees. If the new moon is too close to the sun, we're not going to see the crescent because it's bathed in the light of the sun and therefore it becomes invisible. And the Rambam says that the very earliest that you're going to be able to see it is 17.7 .7 hours. What he says is that the mean rate of the sun's daily motion in angular degrees on the ecliptic is 59 arc minutes and 8.33 arc seconds. That's in Hilchus Kiddush HaKodesh Perigud Bays. So just under one degree per day, let's what we said, that the sun is moving uh, around the earth uh, from the west in the direction of the east in just under one degree per day. And what about the moon's mean motion is 13 degrees, 10 minutes and 35 seconds. That's Hilchus Kiddush HaKodesh Perik So it follows that the moon distances itself from the sun by 12 degrees uh, each day, uh, each, uh, each hour. And which is which is about uh, it's it's by 12 degrees per day, um, and so therefore that's going to be in each hour less uh, less than 30 arc minutes. The is less than a degree, and then in Hilchus Kiddush Achodesh Perak Yud Zayin we learn 
that when the true elongation is less than 9 degrees, the new moon crescent cannot be seen. It follows that the new moon will not be visible for 17.71 hours, uh, and thus the new moon cannot be seen for at least 17.7 hours after the Moilat. So between the, old, between the old moon and the new moon, it's going to be at least 35.4 hours. On average, it's going to be two days, 40, 48 hours. That's what the Rambam says. And the Rambam is confirmed by all the observations that have been done by the astronomers. Uh, scientifically, visibility, visibility is only possible at the extreme edge of vision at about 7.5 degrees separation from the sun at very rare locations and very rare dates. The earliest claimed sighting is at about 15.4 hours after the Moilid, according to this uh, link over here <coughs> at Sky and Telescope. Most sightings of the new moon, even by experienced investigators using modern instruments, in other words, not, not to, we're not talking about a telescope that expands or binoculars, we're talking about uh, modern instruments to say that's exactly where you'll see the new moon at exactly so many degrees uh, elevation at, at so much azimuth and so on. Uh, so most sightings of the new moon, even by experienced investigators using modern instruments, is 21 hours or more. And um, there is a, an interesting study that was done uh, in an MSc thesis at Durham University by uh, uh, Mr. Fatuhi. Uh, now, for Islam, it's very important to know when the new moon appears. And it's called First Visibility of Lunar Crescent and Other Problems in Historical Astronomy. And he gathers all the different observations that have been made by the astronomer, astronomers over hundreds of years. And he quotes from an expert by the name of Ashbrook, who said that Ashbrook has noticed that observations of the crescent 24 hours before or after new are fairly common, but sightings less than 20 hours from conjunction are very, very rare. And so therefore, we can say that the criterion of 24 hours, a little bit more, a little bit less of invisibility from the Gemara here in Rosh Hashanah, and the Rambam and Hilchus Kiddush of the moon from the Moilid is reasonable. But certainly nobody is saying that you can see the new crescent after six hours from the Moilid. So uh, in the Chazan Ish and Orachayim, uh, in his Kuntras Yud Cheshos, so uh, he says that the only, the only explanations of the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, Chaf uh, Ahmed Beis, without Kashas, are those of the Balamor and the Kuzari. Uh, and he also says that Rashi's explanations are not like the astronomers and not like the Rambam, the Tashbats, and others. So that is uh, the only uh, explanation uh, the Chazanish is saying that doesn't have very great kashas associated with it is going to be that of the Balamor, and therefore we turn our attention to understanding the Gomorrah, Alpi, the Bal Hamor. So we are now ready to return to the Gemara on the Chaf Ahmed Beis, uh, and we're going to do it with the Balamor. So uh, let's go to the first statement of Reb Zeira. He said, Ki Solik Rebi Zeira, when Reb Zeira went up to Eretz Yisrael, Shlachlu, he sent back to them in Bavel, and he said, Sarech Sheyehei Laila V'yoy Min HaChodesh, or Min HaChadosh. So it's necessary that the night and the following day be part of the same month. Uh, which we now know means that the whole legal day of Rosh Hashanah, or perhaps any Rosh Chodesh, uh, that's a question in the Meforshim, but anyway, the whole legal day of Rosh Hashanah must fall after the Moilad 
somewhere in the world. So if we want to make day 30, we want to make that into Rosh Hashanah, we want to make it into Rosh Chodesh of Rosh Hashanah, then the Moilad had to have been on day 29. So that the whole of day 30, the night and the following day, uh, will uh, be part of the of Rosh Chodesh. This is, and why is that? This is so that the new moon should be visible somewhere in the world. So this is a chidush of the Balamor, that we don't need the moon to be visible in Yerushalayim, Irakodesh, as long as the new moon on that day 30 is going to be visible somewhere in the world. Uh, and of course, this is going to need some explanation, and uh, we're going to have to ask also a, a Hashkofer question, why should we relax? Shouldn't it be the visibility of the moon in Yerushalayim, in Eretz Yisrael? Why is it that it could, as long as the moon is going to be visible somewhere in the world? So, in order, but in order to understand the Balamor and the six and the 18 hours, uh, so now we have to discuss the issue of the halachic dateline. So, in this picture, we have Yerushalayim, uh, and this is, and of course, the globe is a circle. We're looking, so to speak, uh, from the North Pole down, okay, and we're looking uh, <clears throat> at the circle of the globe roughly at the latitude of Yerushalayim. So here is Yerushalayim. This is to the east of Yerushalayim. Bovel is to the east of Yerushalayim. And of course, we are to the west of Yerushalayim. New York would be 109 degrees west of Yerushalayim. This is 90 degrees. This is six hours or 90 degrees west of Yerushalayim. New York is 190 degrees west of Yerushalayim, about seven hours. Uh, and then we go another six hours, and then we go another six hours. And here we are back at Yerushalayim. Uh, and this is to the east of Yerushalayim. Bovel is, 30, is only 36, less than, less than a degree east of Yerushalayim. But six hours to the east of Yerushalayim <clears throat> is going to be the edge of Asia, let's say Shanghai in China. It's going to be six hours or 90 degrees to the east of Yerushalayim. And the question is, can we keep going in a circle? And it's got to end somewhere. So again, we could say that Tokyo, uh, which is in Japan, we could just as well look at Tokyo as being uh, 270 degrees to the west of Yerushalayim. So let's see how this works out. We're going to suppose that it is Chatzos, it's noon in Yerushalayim on day 30. And... Um, as we said, New York is 109 degrees to the west of Yerushalayim, to the west of Yerushalayim. Uh, and therefore, in New York, if it's Chatzos in Yerushalayim, so it's going to be it's going to be a lot earlier in in New, uh, if in Yerushalayim it's Chatzos than in New York, it's going to be a lot earlier. It's going to be about 5 a.m. Okay, now what about Bovel? So again, Bovel is only 36 minutes east of Yerushalayim. So if in Yerushalayim it's 12 p.m., in Bavel it's going to be 12.36. Uh, it's a little bit later, but only by 36 minutes. And Shanghai is going to be six hours later. 90, it's 90 degrees east of Yerushalayim. And therefore, if it is Chatzos in Yerushalayim, in Shanghai, it's going to be sunset. It's already going to be 6 p.m. because the time there is much later. So... Chatzos in Yerushalayim is six hours. It's six hours later uh, in Shanghai on day 30.
and of course we cannot keep going in a circle as we've mentioned so what we're going to say the Balamora is going to say that this is where the date line this is where the international date line is and therefore Tokyo is going to be 270 degrees which is 18 hours to the west of Yerushalayim but it's sunset in Shanghai and of course it's also sunset in Tokyo in Shanghai it's sunset on day 30 in Tokyo it's still sunset of day 29 the day going into day 30 but day 30 hasn't yet started so conclusion the Balamor will have reason to set the international date line 90 degrees east of Yerushalayim at the edge of Asia and in this map uh, we can see that Shanghai is at the edge of Asia uh, in China and then we have the Pacific Ocean and then we have Japan and Tokyo is going to be um, a little bit <clears throat> uh, it's going to be 270 degrees west of Yerushalayim because we're setting the international date line over here at 90 degrees from Yerushalayim so I'm using Shanghai to be the start of the day and I'm using Tokyo Japan to be the end of the day even though they're not quite at the international date line but just to keep it easy so the Balamor and the Kuzuri and the Chazanesh they're going to say the date line is along uh, 125 degrees latitude from Greenwich which is 90 degrees from Harabais in Yerushalayim and uh, for simplicity we're going to assume a date around the equinox that all these Gomorrahs always talk about the equinox when the day and the night is equal so we're talking about 12 day hours and 12 night hours and this is uh, from the art scroll I'm just projecting uh, the art scroll so the art scroll has a beautiful uh, explanation of the Balamor at the back and this is the map uh, from the art scroll um, and we can see this is the line of the Balamor and the Kuzuri Eretz Israel is over here this whole area is a time of day that precedes the time in Yerushalayim and uh, this will be the 90 degree line according to the Balamor which is six hours from Eretz Israel uh, and the the Chazanish is just going to say that this is a, a question that is asked by the Rishonim that you're going to cut the landmass here in Siberia we're going to cut Siberia in half so the Chazanish is going to tie in. not everybody agreed with him that therefore Siberia is pulled into the main uh, mass of, of land into Russia and therefore the date line goes along the coast uh, of Asia and so therefore Siberia will be part of the same day as Yerushalayim uh, whereas Japan is going to be a different day it's going to be a day earlier now it's important to know that um, the uh, in the time of the Gomorrah almost everybody lived uh, in Asia Europe and Africa and Yerushalayim was the center right Eretz Israel is the center of the Yishuv uh, and Shanghai is at the edge uh, of the eastern of the of the of the of the Yishuv and uh, this is a map of uh, Eretz Israel in the middle and we've got Europe we've got Asia and we've got Africa and even today uh, almost 90% of the world's population lives in Europe, Asia, and Africa, and um, uh, you know, uh, much less, 
just over 10% of the world population lives, let's say, in North America, South America, and so on. So the main issue is Europe, Asia, and Africa, 90 degrees uh, to the east of Yerushalayim is going to be Shanghai, and therefore the international dateline is going to be at the edge of the main issue of Klal Yisrael. That is the position of the Kuzari and of the Balmor. So again, um, let's say that it is Chatzos in Yerushalayim, and this is the moment of the Moilat. So the sun and the moon are over here on the left-hand side. I have not shown it. Um, and now we're going to ask the following question that we say that the, we know that the moon is orbiting the earth over the course of a month, right? Each day about 12 degrees from west to east. We know that already. So now in Yerushalayim, let the Moilad be one minute before Chatzos on day 30. So this is one minute. Yerushalayim is one minute before Chatzos on day 30. It's in Yerushalayim. Uh, of the Moilad. So in Shanghai, the Moilad is there for one minute before sunset. Also uh, on day 30. They're six uh, hours ahead of Yerushalayim. So if it is one minute before Chatzos in Yerushalayim, uh, then it's one minute before sunset uh, at the end of that same day uh, in Shanghai. Now what about Tokyo? Now, in Tokyo, it's also sunset, but they are 270 degrees earlier, 18 hours earlier, and therefore it's one minute before sunset at the end of day 29. So, so if the um, Moilad, if it's one, <clears throat> if the Moilad, uh, the uh, conjunction of the sun and the moon, and the moon is invisible, totally invisible, and it's one chalak, three and a half seconds before noon. Uh, that moilad is one chalak before chatzos in Yerushalayim. Then in Tokyo, it's all day 29. <clears throat> uh, the moilad is the day before. Uh, it's one minute before sunset at the end of day 29, just going into day 30. And therefore, there's enough time for the moon to become visible somewhere in the world, at least in Tokyo, because 24 hours later, it's still, it will be day 30, it will still be day 30, just before sunset, and we'll see the moon in Tokyo. Okay, so conclusion, the molad occurs in Tokyo before the whole of day 30, if the molad is one chalak before noon on day 30 in Yerushalayim. Okay, so... In Tokyo, there's enough time, 24 hours, for the new moon to become visible now on day 30. So let's get back to Rav Zaira. Kisarik Rabbi Zaira, he sent back to Bobo and he says, So the Moilad has to be on day 29, and then the whole of the night, the following night and day of day 30, will be after the Moilad. Uh, we calculate the the the, the Moilad. It's got to be on day 29 prior to the whole day 30, uh, which is would be true if it was before Chatzos, if the Moilad was before Chatzos, measured by Jerusalem time. And then we say that Moilad um, Kodem Chatzos, right? 
So biyadua shenira samach l'shkia sachama. Then we know that uh, if the meilad was in Yerushalayim before chatzos, then on that same then uh, on that same day uh, the moon will appear somewhere in the world. That leaves enough time, 24 hours from the meilad, for the moon to become visible on day 30 somewhere in the world. But if the meilad falls before chatzos in Yerushalayim on day 30, then uh, in Tokyo there's 18 which is 18 hours west of Jerusalem day 29 is just ending before sunset and therefore 24 hours later just before day 30 ends the moon will be visible on the western horizon in Tokyo and therefore somewhere in the world on this day 30 the new moon became visible and therefore today can be Rosh Chodesh it can be so can we, we can now revisit Rav Zaira's puzzling statement I'm a Rav Zaira I'm a Rav Nachman Eshrim Barba Shoi the moon is covered, it's invisible for 20 hours, 24 hours. And we now know that that means is that the last 24 hours of the old moon till the Moilad, uh, the moon is going to become invisible. And from the Moilad, the next 24 hours until the new moon, the crescent is going to be too small to be seen. Recall that from Rambam Hilchus Kiddush HaKedosh. So 24 hours from the old moon to the Moilad and another 24 hours from the Moilad to the new moon. And then uh, Rav Zairus says, Le didan, that means to us in Bavel, it's Shish Me'atika, to us in Bavel, which is east of Yerushalayim. There are six hours of the old moon. And then he says, Vesamne Sari Mechadita, and 18 hours to the new moon. So wh what does that mean? We, we were puzzling about that before. So the Balamor is going to say a chidush. He's going to say that when the Talmud Bavli says them, so then it means Yerushalayim. But when the, when the Talmud Bavli says Ledidan, when it says us, so we, in Bavl, we are east of Yerushalayim. And the Babylonian Empire extends much further east. And what is the furthest east we can go? What's a Kseh HaMizrach? It's the edge of Asia. It's going to be Shanghai, which is six hours east of Yerushalayim. That's what Lididan means, right? Lididan, meaning us to the east, and the furthest east is Shanghai. That's six hours from Yerushalayim. And we're going to deal with this statement, Shish Me'atika, first uh, uh, in one table, and then in the other table, we'll deal with what the 18 hours is all about. So, what is this idea of Shish Me'atika, Lididan, right? For us, 90 degrees east of Yerushalayim in Shanghai. So uh, what is this idea that of six hours? So again, let's say the last sighting of the old moon in Yerushalayim is that, again, it can only be at sunrise uh, on the eastern horizon, 6 a.m. That's the last sighting of the old moon. And then we said there's going to be 24 hours of invisibility, until we get to the Moilat. And the question is that if we hear in Bovel, no Shluchim came, or we're working with a perpetual calendar, what is that going to look like? So if it's um, sunrise in Yerushalayim, then Shanghai, it's already six hours later, it's going to be noon. And at noon, you can't see the crescent of the new moon. It's going to be bathed in the light of the sun. 
And so therefore, it's only uh, much later, six hours later at sunset, that we're going to be able to see the crescent of the moon. So it's six hours before this 24 hours of invisibility. So for us, 90 degrees east of Yerushalayim in Shanghai, the last sighting of the old moon is six hours preceding this 24 hours of invisibility. Now, Rav Zeyra goes on and he says, uh, the, the first sighting of the new moon is going to be uh, right at sunset. On the western horizon. So again, uh, what is that going to look like uh, in at sunset at 6 p.m. at Jerusalem? Uh, and let's say the calculated molad is going to be at sunset, and then there's 24 hours of invisibility, and then this is when the new moon is first sighted in Jerusalem, Iraq, Kodesh, 24 hours after the molad. Um, and the question is, how is that going to look from the point of view of Babel? So we're sighting the new moon at sunset. Well, uh, at Shanghai, it's six hours later. It's going to be midnight. At midnight, the moon has already disappeared below the horizon. So it's invisible. So we're going to have to wait 18 hours until the, the sunset in order to see it. And so therefore, what we have is 18 hours, right? Lady Dunn is going to be 18 hours after the 24 hours of invisibility, right? For us, uh, 90 degrees east of Yerushalayim. So we're going to have to wait 18 hours after these 24 hours of invisibility in order to see the new moon at the beginning of the Chodesh. Uh, and then it's just reverse Lididhu. Uh, the first sighting uh, of the new moon, uh, let's say we're talking about us in Shanghai, us east of Yerushalayim. So how is that going to appear from the point of view of Yerushalayim? So Lididhu, it's Shish Micharita. The first sighting of the new moon uh, is going to be at sunset, let's say Shanghai time, right? So here, uh, sunset 6 p.m. is a calculated mola. There's going to be 24 hours of invisibility in Shanghai until the new moon is first sighted in Shanghai, right? So for them in Yerushalayim, when will be the first sighting of the new moon? So that's going to be six hours after the 24 hours of invisibility, right? Because in Yerushalayim, uh, if in Shanghai, it is sunset, then Yerushalayim is still chatzot, so the 29th day. <clears throat> so uh, at sunset, starting the 30th day, that's going to be six hours later, is when they are going to first see the new moon. It's going to be six hours after the 24 hours of invisibility. So for them in Yerushalayim, the first sighting of the new moon is six hours after the 24 hours of invisibility. And for them, Lididhu, for them in Yerushalayim, it's... Uh, it's 18 hours uh, when the old moon disappears. So again, if we look at Shanghai, the last sighting of the old moon will be at sunrise in the, at the eastern horizon. There's going to be the 24 hours of invisibility to the calculated molad, which will again be at sunrise on the eastern horizon. So for them in Yerushalayim, 
the last sighting of the old moon is going to be 18 hours preceding the 24 hours of invisibility because this is the last sighting of the old moon is at sunrise shanghai time <coughs> 6 a.m so in Yerushalayim, they're trailing it's midnight and we're not going to be able to see the moon so we're going <coughs> to we're going to have to wait 18 hours right so for them in Yerushalayim, the last sighting of the old moon is going to be 18 hours preceding the 24 hours of invisibility now uh, when is the this is just really a side issue when is the true moilat because we we know the we announce in shul the average moilat uh, so here is a study it's actually quite complicated to do the calculations but this was a study uh, that was done and what we see is that the variations can range over plus minus seven hours uh, in other words when we announce 29 and a half days and 793 halakim that's not exactly when the conjunction might appear it might be off by plus seven hours it might be off by minus seven hours mostly it's going to be very close and most points are clustered between plus minus three hours uh, there's a study by uh, this fellow Muse. That is what everybody uses when you see your. I'm pretty sure that all the cheshbonos, all the calendars you see that hang hang in your shul, they're all using his cheshbonos. He's uh, put out a couple of uh, textbooks uh, with all these calculations carefully uh, noted. And uh, uh, if whenever I write uh, calendar programs, the, the the sunrise, the sunset, the path of the moon. So we're using uh, the Muse calculations. Uh, and in this study, we see that the true Moilad is um, different from the average Moilad that we announce in Shul. And this is all precisely in the Rambam, in Hilchis Kiddush HaChodesh. Everything in the Rambam is clearly laid out. The math, the spherical trigonometry, everything is there. You can calculate when sunrise is, when sunset is, the exact position of the sun, the exact position of the moon, very accurately. It's amazing with uh, the whole Hilchus Kiddush HaChodesh is an amazing work from a very great mind. <clears throat> so in the present era, the median length of the lunar cycle is about 29 days, 12 hours and 30 minutes. This is the, in other words, that's the middle and it's clustered to the, the median is where uh, most, uh, are to, in other words, half are to the left and half are to the right of the median while the average is a bit more than 29 days, 12 hours and 44 minutes. So uh, variations are about plus minus seven hours from the average. That is the calculation according to the Rambam and that is the calculation according to the late. I would like to uh, <clears throat> get back to the um, first Rashi uh, on the importance of Eretz Israel and um, we know that Adam um, Rishon on the sixth day was Kadesh the Chodesh. Vid Vav Yudalad on the sixth day on the fourteenth hour, which is eight a.m., is when the uh, is when the Moilad was uh, on the sixth day of creation. And then six hours later, uh, we are told that Adam uh, uh, Rishon is able to be. He saw the new moon, the crescent of the, of the new moon, six hours later. Um, and therefore, he was able to be Makadesh the Chodesh. Now, we are told in uh, Pirkei de Rebeliezer that 
the secret of Soda Ibur was handed to Adam Arishon by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Adam gave it over to Chanoich, and Chanoich to Noach, Noach to Shem, Shem to Avram, Avram to Yitzchak. And then uh, the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer said Yitzchak transmitted the Soda Ibur to Yaakov, <clears throat> and uh, Yaakov entered into the Soda Ibur, and he was Ma'aba the, the year. And then Yaakov went to Chutzla Aretz, and he wanted to extend the year in Chutzla Aretz. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu said to him, Yaakov, you don't have to do it. You don't have permission to do an Ibu Chodesh in Chutzla Aretz. Your father Yitzchak will extend it in Eretz Yisrael. And when Yaakov came back to Eretz Yisrael, Hakadosh Baruch Hu said to him, Now you can do an Ibu Chodesh, an Ibu, uh, even if and even if they are Nevi'im in Chutzla Aretz, uh, and only ordinary people in Eretz Yisrael. The yerk, you can only have an Ibra Chodesh by the, <clears throat> you can even have an Ibra Chodesh by the ordinary people in Eretz Yisrael. And the Rambam uh, in Sefer HaMitzvahs, um, he says that Mitzion Teisei Torah, Devar Hashem Yerushalayim. In other words, uh, we give priority to Eretz Yisrael. Um, and if we can, that is the only place in the world where the Bezdin has the power of Ibur uh, HaChodesh, Ibur HaYoyim. And if we can, uh, we have to do it over there. And only in extreme situations would we be able to do it. There's nobody in Eretz Israel, so then we have to go with the with the ordinary kind of calendar that we have today. But Eretz Israel is primary. That's where the Bezdin sits on, on the 30th day in the Beis HaMikdash when it was standing. And, and that is the place, it's Eretz Israel. they have the right to set up the calendar, <clears throat> whether it's adding an extra month or whether it's making a month that is chaser uh, into a male, that has to be in Eretz Israel. And so therefore, Rabbi Huda Kopperman suggested that uh, that is the explanation. That's why Rashi says the importance of Eretz Israel because, because the whole Kiddush HaChodesh, <clears throat> uh, the whole idea of setting up the calendar, uh, that has to be ultimately in Eretz Yisrael um, to the extent that we can manage that. And therefore, first we have to talk about the Hashivas of Eretz Yisrael, and then we can talk about the uh, the mitzvah of HaChodesh Lachem Rosh Chadashim. So that would be uh, the reason for the Bala Ma'or saying that <coughs> um, a Chiddush of the Bala Ma'or would now need an explanation of why is it that it doesn't matter where the world, it doesn't matter where, the, as long as the new moon appears somewhere in the world, uh, even if it's only in Tokyo, but wait a moment, shouldn't it appear in Yerushalayim? That's a question that we asked earlier. Uh, and it has been, we can suggest an answer to that question from the Medrash Rabbah, which has been noted by the Mephoshim. The Medrash Rabbah says that prior to the Chet of Adam, the planets and the spheres traveled at a rapid speed. And only as a result of the Chet of Adamarishan were the planetary orbits enlarged and their speed diminished. So it can be postulated that Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer do not disagree, disagree regarding the facts of uh, cosmogony. Both may be in agreement that the universe was created in Tukufus Nisan, or at least the sun and the moon on the fourth day, that was when it was Tukufus Nisan. Uh, that's when they were placed in the firmament, in the rakia. But due to the rapid speed of the planetary bodies, remember that the, the creation week is lamala mi derecha teva. 
this Akharish Baruchu is a Bayre in the Manig. In the creation week, he's creating all of this. He has to be Mahadish everything. So due to the rapid speed of the planetary bodies, it's not working according to the Chukai Hatava that we have today. By the time that Adam was created on the sixth day, the planets had already completed the equivalent of a six-month journey. So now it's to Kufis Tishrei. The trees are full of fruit. He's in Gan Eden, and all the trees are full of fruit. <clears throat> and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling him, I'm giving you all these trees to eat. Don't eat from the Eitzadah Shatovarah, but all the other trees I'm giving to you to eat. Um, and so therefore, since the uh, moon was moving more rapidly, so therefore six hours later, we could see the crescent of the moon, and therefore Adam Arishon was able to be Makadish the Chodesh six hours after the Moilad. But of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Zubayra in the Manhig, and after Shabbos, the Chukai Ateva uh, come in, and it's after the Chet, and therefore the planets are going uh, according to the solar system, is working according to the Chukai Ateva, uh, which is the situation after Shabbos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu um, is the Zubayra, and he's the Manhig. Uh, it's clear the plan and purpose in planet Earth, with the beautiful sunlight, with the moon, with its, with its water, uh, a habitat for man at the center of the universe, HaKadosh, with the existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is demonstrated by the plan and purpose. He is a Beire, he is a Manig uh, of the universe uh, at every moment in time. HaMechadesh Betuva Bechol Yom Maseh Bereshis, that is the thing that we learn from the Soda Ibu, that uh, of course the um, the Olam HaKechovim, the world of the of the Mazolus and of the sun and the moon, are the means through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mashgiach upon us at every moment in time. And that will be true until the coming of the Goyal Sedek, Bimheira Biyomeinu. <laughs>